Amen. All right. Well, go ahead and take your Bibles this morning. Go to the book of Deuteronomy. Let's think about Memorial Day and a good message for that. And you know, uh, Brother West, I watched that video that you sent me. I wanted to show that in church, but I don't have a way to hook the computer stuff up yet. But watched a great video just showing, it was really just pictures and videos and stuff of just soldiers and some of the grave sites and just, it'll tear you up to watch it though. But I think it was, it was called Mansions of the Lord or something. Yes. And uh, boy, good video to watch. Just a way to remember uh, those who have fallen and fought and died for our country. And uh, it, it'll tear you up. But I, I, I encourage you to look that up and watch it. I really appreciated that video. And I th- I'm very thankful uh, for the country that we live in. I mean, I'm the first one, you know, I, I complain about what's going on in our government. But, you know, one of the reasons I complain about what's going on in our country is because I think about those who have paid dearly for the freedom that we have. I mean, who have paid with their lives and the way we just want to throw it away. I think the picture that tore me up the most on there is this one picture that was showing uh, the military guy given, you know, they usually give the flag to the wife or something, and it was giving it to a little boy that you could see was just tearing up and Oh, it, just, it tore me up, and I'm seeing all these graves and these families that are just tore up because they've lost their loved ones, and people they willingly fought so we can have freedom, and then boy, we're just so willing these days to just flush it down the toilet. I, I've got a huge, huge problem with that, and I, I hope you have a problem with that too. I, and I wish we would take things like Memorial Day instead of it being another holiday where people just go and get drunk and you know have. You know, be crazy. I wish we would actually remember uh, what it's all about, those who fought and died for our country. And so, uh, my political speech of the day. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to go to the Bible now, but very important thing to remember. Well, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 1 here in just a moment. But, you know, I, I don't watch, you know, we don't have regular TV at our house. I, I get too depressed if we did probably. But, you know, at work, they've always got the news on and... Every day I'll see these commercials for you know different pills that you can take for things. And then after they tell you about all the wonderful things that this pill will do for know, your headache or whatever you have, they will start listing off all these side effects, you know, that are just horrible. You know, you'll start bleeding from your eyes or you know, fall over dead or you know, your your nose will fall off. I mean, I I'm slightly exaggerating, but I mean some of them are that bad, I'm like, good night. Well, you know, those are horrible. I'd, I'd rather deal with the headache or whatever problem I have than have those kind of side effects. But you know what? Today I want to talk to you about a side, the side effect of being blessed. There's a side effect that comes with being blessed that God warned the children of Israel about. He warned them that, you know, you're going to be blessed. And He told them now, be careful because something is going to happen when you get blessed. And I believe that in America today... We are suffering greatly with the side effects that come with being blessed. And I'm not ready to ask God to take away our blessing. Okay? But, uh, boy, these side effects, sometimes I wonder, would we be better off not being so blessed? And let's look what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, 
and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep His commandments or no. God was testing them in the wilderness. And let me tell you all something. As a church, this is just another side note. We need to make sure we learn our lessons fast. Okay, I don't want our church to be one that's wandering in the wilderness for a long time and we've got to wait years before getting into the promised land. I would rather learn the lesson quickly and go into the promised land and get the blessings of God than wandering. I don't want to do that. And so, you know, learn your lessons quick. But it says verse 3, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Anybody remember those words? Remember who quoted that passage of Scripture? Jesus Christ quoted it to the devil. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Can you imagine being able to wear the same clothes for forty years? Now, I've been wearing some of the same type of clothes for about you know thirty years, but uh, I have to go get new ones all the time because they wear out. I've got two pairs of shoes, a pair of dress shoes, a pair of tennis shoes, and I get the same ones every time. They wear out, I go. That way I don't have to shop. And I can just go and get another pair. But Boy, imagine if they lasted 40 years. That happened for them. God did that for them. They didn't have Walmart in the wilderness. But thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, uh, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which He hath given thee. And then here comes the side effect. Notice how he said, when you've eaten and you're full... And he said, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the, that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna with thy fathers, uh, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end, and thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And if you go back a couple chapters in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10, he says kind of the same thing in that passage there. But in verse 10, says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, 
Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So right here we see really this side effect of fullness. This side effect of blessing that what happens many times when people get full when they have what they need, they forget all about God. And I'm going to tell you right now, while you listen to the news media and the politicians, you know, our country is just on the brink of collapse. I mean, we're just about done for. Our economy stinks. The job market stinks. No, you know, no matter what you say about that, one thing for the most part, we're not starving in this country, are we? I mean, you know, one of the reasons I think we think we're so bad off is because of all the TV commercials that we watch. I mean, you see all these people driving these fancy cars that cost a zillion dollars that you don't have. You know, you see all these people wearing the fancy clothes that you don't have. You know, you see all this stuff that's constantly, you're constantly being told, you need this to be happy. You need this because you deserve this. And we just want so much. I mean, our kids these days, if they don't have their own cell phones with, you know, internet and texting and all the bells and whistles, I mean, they think that they are just living in complete and total poverty. If people don't have more than one car, they think they're living in total poverty. You know, if they don't have, you know, huge houses and now everybody's got their own bedroom, we just feel like we're in total poverty. Which in most countries, if they just have enough to eat to survive and a place to live and clothes to keep them warm, they feel like those people are rich. And the truth is, if you compare, you know, the average poverty level American and compare them to most people in the world, well, we would be rich. And that I don't. I, there is no doubt about that. And because of that, because we're not starving, because God has been so good to this country, our country is forgetting Him. We, we, our society today has either forgotten or many have never even known real hunger. Okay, now we think, you know, my kids, they think they've been hungry before. Okay, I mean, because they went, you know, a couple extra hours, you know, were spaced between their meals and they thought they were about to starve to death. They, my kids have felt like that. I felt like that a few times growing up. You know, I tell my kids all the time when we're, maybe we're driving somewhere and they're wanting to go somewhere to eat, I'm starving, you know, and they're just, you know, acting like they're about to die. And I was just telling them, hey, the longer we wait to eat, the better the food's going to taste when we finally get to eat. But you know, the truth is, yeah, you know, I've never, I'm 34 years old and I've never wondered if I was going to starve to death. I've, I've never wondered that. I've gotten hungry, but I mean, uh, there's been times I had to, you know, maybe eat a hamburger instead of a steak. There's been times, you know, we had to eat beans and rice instead of, you know, fish and caviar or whatever. And, but you know, I, I'm telling you right now, We've got it pretty good in this country, and most people have never known real hunger. I've never been there where I had to cry out to God and say, Lord, how am I going to eat? How am I going to feed my family? We're on the brink of starvation. I've never faced that in my life. And most people haven't. And you know, you ever wonder, you know, how some of our religious things we do got started? You know, for example, praying for your food. You know, asking a blessing on the food. I personally believe the reason that used to be a common thing and how that got started is people used to be thankful when they had food to eat. And when it came time to sit down for a meal, they were thankful that they had a meal to eat. And so you know what they did? They took the time to thank God. But now, we're so used to having plenty to eat, we don't even bother doing that. 
I mean, it's so easy for us to get food today. I mean, we've got all the, we've got restaurants everywhere. We've got fast food. I mean, if we go to McDonald's and we got to wait more than two minutes in the drive-through, we're throwing a big fit because we had to wait more than two minutes when food used to take a lot of work to even prepare that meal. And man, we are just spoiled in our society today. In their minds, okay, in their minds, they've never really needed God. They, they haven't. You know, so we talk about you know going door knocking and stuff, and you have a lot of adventures doing that. But you know, some of the worst places to go are what you know we call the ritzy areas. Those people, they got you know they got money. They don't need why? Why do they need God? They're not hungry. I mean, they're you know, why? They don't have time to go to church. They're going to be too busy out on their boat on the on the river on Sunday. That makes me jealous, man. I keep saying since we live by a river, it's like I need a boat. I need a boat. Keep telling us. She's like, it's not a need. I like, yes, it is. We live by the river. I need a boat. What if it floods and we gotta get from you know? But I haven't convinced her yet. But you know what? I can't. I don't have enough money for that stuff. So I still need God. You know, if I'm going to get that boat, you know, <laughs> I. Need, but man, they've got everything. They don't. They don't feel like they. They don't feel like they need them in their minds. But you know, when people get hungry, when people start having real needs, many times that's when they start calling out to God. We see that in the Bible when Israel, God would bless them and they would forget God. It happened every time, and then famines would come, difficulties would come. They'd get hungry, and then they would call on God. You know why there's a lot of lazy bums out there that just will not go get a job and will not go work. It's because we don't let them get hungry. I'm telling you, hunger is a good motivator. I say that all the time. That's why the Bible says if a man would not work, neither should he eat. Sometimes I know we need to feed the children and all that stuff, but boy, you know, some of these men, we need to let them get a little bit hungry. So they will stop playing video games, stop watching TV, and go out and do something. Alright? I've got listen, I've got tons of work that can be done around my house. But I would gladly feed somebody if they did it. I'm not going to pay them, you know, a lot of money. They're not, probably not even going to get minimum wage. But I'd give them a good meal. And it's like if they're really that hungry, I mean, I like to see some of these people that are wanting to work for food. You know, come out to my house. I'll feed you. You go and you clear some of this uh, land I'm trying to clear. You know, I got some of these trees and stuff overgrown. I'm not going to do that. Don't want to work. We don't. We don't let people get hungry. And today. When you get hungry, back in the old days, if you got hungry, the only one you had to call on was the Lord. But today, if you get hungry, you know who we're taught to call on? Government. Obama. <laughs> That's what we're taught to do. Call on the government, and then they'll come and they'll bail you out. And listen, I am not against you know helping people in need, and you know the government they need to do something good with the money. All right, you know they, but. That's what people are taught to do. And people think we don't need God. And whenever difficulties come, whenever a hard time comes, what do we do in our country today? We always go to the politicians. Hey, what are you going to do about this? Whenever there's elections and things going on, and then politicians, they come and they have their town hall meetings. Hey, what are you going to do about the fact that jobs are struggling around here? What are you going to do about the hunger? We're always going to them. What are you going to do about this? When the Lord, He's promised that He would provide for our needs. He would take care of us. And if we really wanted our needs met, the person we should be calling on is the Lord. And we're not doing that today. We're calling on the government. And you know what? I believe God's in heaven to say, okay, fine. I'll let the government do it. But the problem with that, they don't do a very good job 
And they always are going to take something. They're, they're going to take control when you have them do that. You know, Joseph, he's looked at as one of the greatest men in the Bible. But you know what? Go back and read the story of Joseph. Remember that seven years of famine that came? Do you all remember what happened during that seven years? Now, Joseph, he knew that it was coming. And for seven years, Egypt prepared. They stored up all the food. But then during that seven years, the world, they came to Egypt and they said, hey, give us food. You guys have all this food. And so they went and they cleaned out everybody's money. And if you continue reading the story, people didn't have money anymore. So you know what they did? They gave them their farms. They had their farms. They owned everything, but they let them continue keeping their land, but they kept like one-fifth. One-fifth of whatever they made became theirs. They taxed them like crazy, didn't they? 20%. That's pretty big. And you know what? As a result of that, Egypt became a world power during that time. And as a result of that, the children of Israel ended up in hard bondage for 400 years, and God finally had to send a deliverer to get them out of that mess. And unfortunately today, we're going through hard times, and instead of people calling on the Lord, they're calling on the government, and what are we doing? We're giving them more control. We're giving them more power. And it's only a matter of time. There's going to be a fellow called the Antichrist that's going to come along, and that's another story for another day. But we are just begging for that. Why? Because we've forgotten the Lord. People have forgotten to call on the Lord when they need help. And you know what? In places like Europe and stuff, I mean, they're, they're always way ahead of us on these things. They're always way ahead of us. And the amount of control they have over there. And you know an interesting thing about Europe. Their government's huge over there. If you Also, something that's very small over there is church attendance. Church, I'm telling you, uh, I, I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but it is just scary how few people are even going to church in some of these European countries. Places like England where some of the greatest revivals took place that spread over into America. I mean, they are just godless over there. And you know what? As government gets bigger, you always see churches get smaller. And you know, it's sad how many people I talk to today, they're just so discouraged by the younger generation that just has no interest in church, has no interest in the things of God. But you know what? They're all very interested in the government and they're on every one of their programs. Don't even know how to take care of themselves anymore. And you know what? As our government gets bigger, we will continue to see churches get smaller. And unless and we, we need a revival in this country. Big government, small church go hand in hand just like big church and small government go hand in hand. If people would get right with God, call on God, start taking care of themselves, we would see them lose a lot of power. And that's why they're fighting churches that preach against sin and uh, you know trying to make laws against preaching against certain sins that because they're trying to they know if we start building families if we help the family unit then it's going to weaken them because you know the heterosexual families where there's a mother and a father raising their children they don't need the government as much as the single families do and they want to be needed so they can have control. And unfortunately, we people, uh, the people in America today, they have completely forgotten this concept of calling on the Lord. We've forgotten God because we have so much in this country. God has been so good to this country. We have such a great history. I mean, we do have a great land. We have we have a prosperous land, but yet we're just we're throwing it all away, and we are forgetting the Lord. 
Like, they, like it said there in Deuteronomy, if you say, my hand hath gotten me this wealth, people are giving themselves the credit for the things they have. They're not glorifying God. They're not praising God for what they have. And as a result, we are, we are forgetting God. And that is one of the great side effects of being blessed. Fullness. Fullness causes us to forget God. And you know what? Sometimes I wonder, Lord, do You need to let us get a little hungry in this country? Because you know, unfortunately, that's when most revivals take place is when things are bad. And I hope we would just get right as a country without a famine, without a pestilence. But I don't know. You wonder sometimes. It didn't happen too often in the Bible. But I'll also go to Second Chronicles chapter 24. Second Chronicles chapter 24. Now, how, how did we get this way? You know, what, what caused this? Because, you know, the truth is, you know, God gets the glory for everything. There's no doubt about that. I'm not taking any, anything away from God here. But understand that our country, what it is today or what it has been, we do owe a great debt to people like our soldiers, people who have fought and died for our country. Our forefathers, they sacrificed greatly. They fought hard so we could have a country like we do today, so we could have the things that we have today. And unfortunately, we are a very pampered society. And in Second Chronicles 24, this story, we're not going to take time to read the whole story, but this story makes me mad. There's a few stories in the Bible when I read, I, it just it really burns me up. And this story about a man named Joash, King Joash, just burns me up. Now, just a little bit of background on Joash. Joash had a wicked, he had a wicked father, and he had an even more wicked grandmother. And when his father died, his grandmother took over. She tried killing all of her son's children, all tried killing her own grandchildren because she wanted to be the king. She wanted to be in charge, and she didn't want anybody threatening her throne. And so she killed them all. And Joash's aunt, I believe it was, went and hid him from Athaliah. And then he was raised by Jehoiada the priest. They hid him for seven years. They took care of him. They saved his life. And after seven years, Jehoiada brought him out and said, this is the king. They made Joash as a seven-year-old king. They went, Athaliah, she got mad. She started screaming treason. They went and took her and they killed her. And Joash was a great king, the Bible says, during the life of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada taught him the ways of God. He taught him the truth. He was good to him. He saved his life. He made him king. Jehoiada, he could have declared himself the king, but he didn't do that because it wasn't right. It was supposed to be someone from the tribe of Judah, someone from the line of David. And unselfishly, he took Joash. He risked his own life so he could save Joash's life. He made him king. And then finally the time came where Jehoiada the priest died. And after Jehoiada the priest died, we see... Some other people came along the scene and they wanted to influence Joash and get him doing things differently than the way he had been taught. And Joash went along with them. And then if you read oh, in verse... Jump down to verse 19. It says, "...yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear." Joash would not listen the princes that Joash had would not listen to the prophets. And then it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. Okay, Zechariah, the son of the man that saved his life. The son of the man who made him king. 
I mean, a, a man that was probably like a brother to him. I mean, a Jehoiada was like a father to Joash. And here's Zedekiah, like his brother, the Spirit of God comes on him and he calls him out for what he's doing. He speaks the truth to him. And you know what he did? He went and they took him and they had him stoned. Joash had him stoned, the son of the man that he owed everything to. And it says in verse um, 21, they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. And Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done unto him, but slew his son. He didn't remember the kindness that was done. And folks, do you understand the, just the goodness of people in this country? Those who fought and died for our country, and we just we forget it all about it. We forget what they sacrificed so we can have what we have, and we are just so willing to throw it away. You know why? Because we didn't do anything for it. You know what? Most of us in here, we've never had a soldier from another country pointing a gun in our face. We've never been shot at. We've never had, we've never had that before. Most of us, we've never even seen troops from an enemy, enemy land. We've not seen that. We've not seen them marching in our country. We've not had to hide for our lives. We've not had to run for our lives. You realize that it's that way because of people who have fought for our country to protect us. And I'm telling you, we owe those people something. And to just throw those freedoms that they fought and bled and died for is such a shame. And it is such a waste. And the things that, I mean, the things that have been done for us, we owe people something. And Joash, he owed Jehoiada everything. But what did he do? He went and he had his, he had his son killed. He had him stoned. And if you read the story, when Joash died, his own people conspired against him. He was so wicked. He was so terrible. His own people conspired against him. They killed him in his bed. They didn't even bury him in the sepulcher of the kings. He did not deserve that honor. And did you know, if you read the book of Matthew, when it goes through the line of Christ and it's naming off the kings, they don't even name Joash. Why? The Bible doesn't really say, but I think it's because he was such a shame that they just they wrote him out of the lineage. He was that wicked. And what a sad thing. And why? The Bible says he forgot. He didn't remember what Jehoiada did. And people have been so good to us. They've sacrificed so much for us. And we, what do we do? We, we forget about it. We don't, we don't think a thing of it. It's, it's Memorial Day tomorrow. Most people aren't going to give one thought to those who fought and died for our countries. Most people are going to be complaining and wanting to go to the government because they need they don't have enough money to buy beer for their picnic. And that's our society we live in today. Our lives have just been too easy because of the sacrifices of our forefathers. Or maybe even just your parents. Okay, some of you in here, your parents, they might have come from you know difficult backgrounds that you know that uh, maybe you have some that lived through things like the depression. And you know, a lot of those parents that grew up during that time that lived through the depression. They worked so hard to make sure things were easy for their children. They kind of created, well, they created the 60s generation because they, they never knew hunger. They never knew these things. And unfortunately, sometimes because we've been 
treated so good, we've been given so much, we forget everything. And the Bible, God warned the children of Israel that that would happen to them if they were not careful. That's why He said, beware. We've got to be careful. That could be us. We could be that ungrateful generation. We've never had to take a real stand for anything. We hear about it in these other countries where they tell them, you renounce Christ or die. We've never had to do that. I've never been threatened with that. Where somebody said, you know, renounce Christ or die. I've never, I've never had that. I've never faced that in my life. But boy, we can't handle it. I mean, we can't, we can't handle anything in this country. I mean, Christians these days, you know, we think we're being persecuted just because somebody calls us a name. Somebody slams a door in our face. Somebody makes fun of us. We think we're being persecuted. But understand that our forefathers, they went through so much more than we could ever imagine. And we've forgotten. We've never been in any real danger. And because we haven't had to do anything for what we have, we have no problem just letting things go to waste and fall apart or even tearing it down ourselves. And, you know, and we see that a lot where folks that have a lot of money, you know, they'll go and they'll leave it all to their kids and their grandkids. And what do they do a lot of times? They waste it. They blow it all. Why? They didn't do anything for it, so they don't appreciate it. They don't care how hard their parents or their grandparents had to work for that. They don't care about the sacrifices they made because they wanted them to have an easier life. What do they do? They just go and they party it all away. And it's sad. We see that with people that win the lottery. Why do they go and ruin their lives after winning the lottery? They didn't have to do anything for that. Therefore, they don't appreciate it one bit. And it is just a side effect of being blessed. We forget and we just throw everything away. We waste so much. But then I go to Second Peter chapter one. So you know, we're too full in our country. We're we're too pampered, and you know what else? We're too stagnant. Second Peter chapter one and verse five. I want to show you something here. That is, this is very important. It says and beside all this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. What we're seeing here in First Peter, he's saying, add to your faith. Okay, when you got saved, you got saved by grace through faith. Okay, are you saved today? Okay, if you, well, if you're saved today, you know what? Now you're supposed to add some things to your life. And the truth is, I don't, I honestly, I don't care. I mean, about where somebody is spiritually, as long as they're growing. okay, And that's what we're, that I want to see as a pastor. That's what God wants to see from us. He just wants to see us growing spiritually. And let me ask you, I mean, are you a better Christian today than you were last year? Because the truth is, if you're not, then you don't want your backslidden. We're, as Christians, we are supposed to be growing 
we're supposed to be producing fruit. And some people, they just never grow. They're content with where they're at. Hey, I'm good right now. I'm good doing what I'm doing. I'm fine. You know, other people might, you know, maybe they look at you and they think, wow, you're a really good Christian. We're satisfied with that. Hey, I'm looked at as a good Christian. People think I'm really spiritual. But let me tell you something. If you are not like Christ, you're not done. You're not done until you are like Christ. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. You know when you can stop growing? When you are just like Christ. And the truth is, what God wants from us all the time, He just wants growth. Okay? Yeah, none of us in here are what we should be. But the question is, are you growing? Are you getting better? Are you becoming more spiritual? And many people today are stagnant. They've just stopped. They've gotten to a certain level and I'm good right there. No, don't do that. Because here's what happens when you get stagnant. The Bible says that you have, you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. You know why many people in church look down on people so much? Why they have such a critical attitude and a critical spirit when they look at other people that aren't what they should be? It's because they've forgotten that they used to be lost too. You used to do that. You used to dress that way. You used to talk that way. You used to do those things. But you know what? God saved you. And He brought you out of that. And He helped you to grow. And you know what? You've just got, you've got to give people time. And people who are growing in Christ... They don't struggle with that. But people who are stagnant, they get very critical towards other people. Why? Because they've forgotten where they used to be. There are churches today, if you went, if you and I, we went to those churches and we looked at all those people, boy, they look, it looks like a really good church. Those people look really spiritual, man. They got their act together. But you know what? Some of those places you'll go there and they are just as critical. They have a sorry attitude. It's because they got to a certain level and they just thought, you know what? Hey, we're good. We're we're a lot better than all the other churches around here. And they stop there. And what happens when you stop there? You forget where you came from, and you have a terrible attitude. You have a horrible spirit. And we should never forget what God brought us from. We should never forget about how God took us and He saved us, even though we didn't deserve it. If you come from a bad past, maybe you did some wicked things in your life. You need to remember that. And remember what God brought you out of and when the next person comes along to get saved, that boy, they don't have their act together. They still, they're saved, but they still have all kinds of issues. You know what? You need to just thank God that He helped you to grow out of that. You know, we see these little kids. You know, we got Lana that still messes her diapers. And you know what? You used to do that too. Don't be too, don't be too hard on her. She's a baby. She'll grow out of it eventually. And, and you know what? We see baby Christians sometimes just do things that like, what in the world? Give them time. I mean, I, even as a pastor, I've, I've gone back and I've looked at some of my notes from some of the earlier sermons here and I'm like, I preach that? Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you all have given me time and you've cut me a little bit of slack. You know, I've grown over the last few years too. And I hope I continue growing. And someday I might look back and I listen to a message I preached in 2015 and I'll be like, what were those people doing listening to me? You know what? You're growing with me. And, and you know what? As long as we're growing, I believe we're pleasing God. But if we stop, 
we are going to forget where we came from and we're going to become a dead church that's doing absolutely nothing for God that nobody wants to have anything to do with. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes God does. He blesses. God will start blessing a church. Maybe they'll fill their building up. The financial needs are being met and they're like, you know what? Hey, we're good. We've obviously arrived. Full house, full offering plates. It's all good. <laughs> and you know what? If you do, if you do that and then you stop there, you're going to get stagnant and you're going to forget where you came from. And boy, unfortunately, we are so forgetful in our country. God has been so good to us. And just like the Bible warned, when God said, when I send you in there and I bless you, boy, beware lest you forget. And we need to make sure we take the time to remember what God has done for us. We need to remember what other people have done for us. And we need to make sure that we are always growing in Christ always getting better so we don't become forgetful too. And so with that, I want us to all stand together.